Hi everyone and welcome to the Pilgrim Story Hour. My name is Moni Dujeji and on this episode of the Pilgrim Story Hour I want to speak about the disappointments we sometimes feel as pilgrims when all of our best plans somehow go awry. You know when we start planning for our pilgrimages we are apt as is normal to read a lot of blogs, to find out a lot of information, gather as much content as we possibly can in order to plan our perfect pilgrimage. And what we do, rather unconsciously quite often, is that we are carrying all of these stories and all of these ideas about how our pilgrimage should be right along with us on our journeys. And there are times when we can get disappointed when the ideas that we have that other people gave us about this pilgrimage don't quite match up to all of the expectations that we have. Now, this story I'm going to share with you, um, I think will resonate with many of you who are in the planning stages or who are about to go on their pilgrimage. This story comes specifically from my time walking from Rome to Jerusalem. And I finished the Camino a little bit earlier that year, and I had received an idea, an inspiration, call it what you will, to embark on a path called the Way of the Soul that begins in Rome and that ends in Jerusalem. And by the time I finished my Camino and arrived in Finisterre, I was determined that I was going to do this walk by myself. And I happened to mention it while I was in Finisterre to a fellow pilgrim that I had just met that day by the name of Alberto. And he didn't speak any English, I didn't speak any Spanish. And so through a translator, I led him to understand what I was planning on doing. And he said, you know, wow, that's really good. And went Camino. And we actually separated that very same day. And a couple of months later, as I was making my way to Rome to begin walking again, our paths crossed again, call it, you know, fate, call it synchronicity, destiny. The point is we saw each other again. And this time he really felt called to go on this journey, not because of me, uh, but because of what this path promised in terms of exploring uncharted waters. Because really this is not a path that's marked. This is not a trail. There are no alberges. There's no infrastructure to support the pilgrim. And... I was prepared, having walked the Camino, to actually now be confident enough to walk on my own. And so when he said to me that he wanted to join uh, this walk, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do about that or how I felt about it because in my mind, this was my walk and I had planned it out to be walking by myself. And so right away, before I even took the first step on my path in Rome, my plans were already thrown out the window. And I had to really consider if I really wanted a walking partner with me. And after a great deal of meditation, and what I felt was a very strong omen, um, I decided that, yes, perhaps this was something that would be beneficial to me and to this path that I was walking as well. And so I agreed um, to have him join me, but I said, listen, let me start walking alone. He needed to, you know, settle up his life where he was living. And I said, let me start walking. And then when you're ready, um, join me and then we'll see how we're going to walk together. So the first thing I needed to do um, right away was to reset my ideas. And I think that is something that I should have learned on the Camino, but clearly I did not. But you have to, as a pilgrim, 
always be ready to let go of your concept. And being resilient is possibly the most important aspect or attribute that you can develop while you are on pilgrimage. Because let me tell you, all of your plans, some of them are bound to just simply go out the window. And so when I became comfortable with the idea of, okay, I think there is some good in having a walking partner, there's, I also believe, a higher purpose in having met this pilgrim for one day in Finisterre, and then as I'm making my way to Rome, I meet up with him again, uh, perhaps there is also something higher at play here as well. And I didn't want to neglect that. And so... I started walking alone. I walked alone for about 10 days out of Rome and I had a cell phone with me and he contacted me to say he was ready to join me. And so on the first day that we met, again, you know, we had several challenges we had to overcome. The first one being language because I didn't really speak Spanish very well and he didn't speak a lot of English and, you know, we we're in Italy and nobody spoke either language. And so we were trying to figure out how we were going to communicate with each other and with everyone else. And I was staying at a hostel at that time. And one of the ideas that I had um, for this pilgrimage was I had enough savings to be able to stay in hostels, at campsites, at bed and breakfast, you know, not luxurious accommodations, but certainly very basic accommodations. And after that first night, Alberto says to me that he really doesn't have enough money to be able to stay in hostels, no matter how, you know, how cheap they are, all the way to Jerusalem, which, you know, we estimated at the very least was going to be six months of walking, if not more. It turned out to be more, like 13 months. <laughs> um, and so I said, well, what are we going to do? And I said, well, you know, I could lend you some money. I could probably help you along the way. And he absolutely refused and said no. Then he said, well, you know, when he walked the Camino, he met a pilgrim who had walked without money and who basically arrived at every town where he was going to be spending the night, knocked on the door of the church or of the monastery, and basically said, I only need a roof for the night. I don't need money. I don't need food. I don't need anything. I just need shelter for the night. And he goes, well, I would like to do that. Alberto said he would like to do that. And... I really wasn't sure how I felt about it. He said, well, don't worry about it. He goes, you stay in your hostel, and I will go find my own way, and then we will meet up in the morning. And I found myself in a bit of a moral dilemma. You know, this is my first day wa walking with this person. I barely know him. But we also are walking the same distances. We're both working equally hard. We're both carrying heavy backpacks. So how could I, in all good conscience, allow him to just kind of you know, find his own way while I was comfortable in some hotel or some hostels with a hot shower and uh, and a bed. <laughs> I didn't know where he would end up. And so he encouraged me to keep walking my path. And my conscience simply would not allow me to do that. And so I said, okay, why don't we try it your way? Let's just see what it's like to go and um, knock on the door of the first church or monastery that we find, anything remotely spiritual, and explain that we're pilgrims and all we need is a roof for the night. Now, he had done that on the first night that we had met. He had actually found a monastery not far from where we were, and he told me the experience was magnificent. And I thought, well, you know, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. We can expect uh, maybe to be received well. And so on our first day walking together, we arrived in the town. We said, okay, what is the first thing we can find that looks remotely spiritual? And it turned out to be a monastery. And so we approached the monastery and we knocked on the door. And the person who answered the door 
didn't look all that welcome. He had a rather stern look on his face. And so we started to explain and we practiced how to say this in Italian. We said that, you know, we are pilgrims, we are walking for peace, we are walking to Jerusalem. All we need is shelter for the night. We don't need money or food. And here are our passports, you know, to, to validate, to show that we are who we say we are. And that first night, he kind of looked at us suspiciously. He kind of was eyeing us up and down and... I could tell that he was deciding whether or not he wanted to trust us. And a part of me, even that very first day, was feeling like, if I, you're, you're a priest, isn't this your job? Isn't this your obligation to help people who come to you asking for help? And even on that first night, I felt that twinge of anger. I felt that twinge of, you know, indignation almost. It's like, it's your job to help us, isn't it? So why are you turning us away? And what I didn't fully appreciate that night, and which I really hit me even harder, the further we walked, and the more times that we were forced to call every single night on a door to receive shelter, was that for the most part, they received us. You know, once they got over their initial shock of, you know, who we were, um, they usually allowed us to sleep in some room that they had, you know, usually some kind of a hall where we could lay out our sleeping bags and sleep on the floor, or we slept on, you know, we slept on tables that we pulled together or on benches, wherever we were given shelter. We tried to say thank you. We tried to live, I especially tried to live that pilgrim axiom of the pilgrim gives thanks while the tourist demands. And I was trying really hard to do that. And what I learned from the experience of knocking on doors is a couple of things. Um, I had to first swallow a lot of personal pride. And because I felt I don't need the help. Why am I asking for something that I naturally don't need help with? And although I had the possibility to go sleep in a hostel, I also realized that in many of the small towns we were sleeping, there were no hostels. There were no beds and breakfasts. We were having to rely on the generosity and on the kindness of whoever opened that door to us. And so I needed to learn to reset and to re-examine what my own expectations were. I had to reset my pride and learn how to ask with gratitude and learn how to receive with gratitude and let go of all of my expectations that I had, especially from those who were, you know, priests or, um, or monks, the expectation that I had in my mind that it was their obligation to help. And what I especially learned was that before any title that they have, before being a priest or before being anything, they are human beings. And human beings have their frailties and they have their limitations and they have their fears. And, you know, if somebody were to come knocking on my door, looking the way we were looking, you know, with walking sticks and with backpacks, would I be so willing to open the door for them? So it was a very important lesson for me in understanding that they are human beings first and that they're under no obligation to help me. And that if they said no to me here, it's because there was something else waiting for me down the road that was better. And although it was hard for me to accept that the first few times I was rejected, I did learn over time that there was there is great wisdom in that belief that if this is if you are being rejected here, it's because there is something greater or better that is waiting for you further down the road. And that ended up being quite true. 
um, in the majority of cases, that we needed the rejection. I needed to be, uh, we needed to have no said to us so that we could continue ahead and meet somebody else. That was an important part of our journey. So um, there are many more examples that I can share with you. But what I want to leave you with is this whole idea that it's good that you're doing your research. It's good that you're listening to stories. It's good that you are trying to get as much information as you can. But as you now take your own first step on that path, on your Camino, be sure to put those ideas that you have um, gathered in your mind of how your pilgrimage should be, put that aside. Just put them in big brackets for now and begin to walk your path, open heart, open mind, and see what this path, what this Camino is going to bring to you personally. I hope you enjoyed this story. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. And I'll catch you next time on the Pilgrim Story Hour with Camille.